0: Welcome to Industrial Marketing Live. I'm Peyton. I am a strategist at gorilla 76, the industrial marketing agency. And I am one of your IML hosts. So thank you to the group that is joining us live today. I see I'm still clicking admit trying to keep everybody in. Um, but uh, we have a very special episode today. Uh, and a guest that is near and dear to our industrial marketing hearts. Mary Keogh. So now many of you know, Mary was a host of IML for a good chunk of this show's history. I want to say like a a good third of it. And um, even more of you probably know Mary from her straightforward and some may say spicy LinkedIn content. Um, But that content is full of no nonsense tips and tricks and just guidance for any marketer, industrial, otherwise, who is looking to step up their credibility with leadership and build a program from the ground up. and that's what Mary actually pretty much just did. Uh, so uh, she has been kicking butt and kicking off her tenure with Map My Customers for just about 122 days now, I think. But uh, but who's counting? Give or take, <laughs> <laughs> give or take. Yeah. So uh, Mary, uh, we just want to say first and foremost, welcome back.
1: Um. Thank you, guys. I am so excited to be here. I've been excited for this for a super long time. Um. So yeah, I'm like stoked. Can't can't say enough good things about Industrial Marketing Live. I am a part of a lot of communities in the marketing world, and Industrial Marketing Live is the only one that I actively participate in. We feel so special.
0: Um, yeah. Uh, well, Mary. So first things first. You know, uh, how does it feel to be back in house after you started in house in your marketing career, and then you went agency world. Now you're back. Tell us about it.
1: Yeah, so I think that's a super good place to start actually. Um, I'm sure a lot of people are wondering why the heck would you leave Rilla 76, one of the best agencies in the world? Um, great question. Agency life is way different than in-house. And some of the things that I liked about in-house were you kind of come in with some inherent trust. So because you're a full-time employee, because you work for the company, you kind of automatically have some level of like trust and like you can. Go ahead and do what you need to do. And that's what I really missed about being in house. So coming to Girl of 76, loved our clients, loved the company, but you really are a little bit boxed in. You can really only do certain things as an agency partner. So the reason that I wanted to switch going back to in house was, of course, the challenge of building up a marketing program from the ground up, but also just like seeing if I could do it, you know, seeing if you can do it alone. Can you take a company? and just bring it to the next level. So that's the big reason why I made the switch. Um, still cannot say enough good things about Girl 76 I know a lot of you guys on the call here work with them. Awesome. Love, love, love. Um, can answer any questions too, if you want to take it offline.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Well, a lot of people in this room right now are probably curious. And, and you kind of talked a little bit about that. Like You get some of that inherent trust just by being in-house, like you're an employee, they went through the interview process, they decided they wanted to work with you. Um, Whereas when you're an agency, you don't always get to pick your team, you get to pick your partner, right? But you don't always get to pick the folks who are on your team. So you've got to... uh, It's a challenge, right? To get in there and kind of show your stuff right off the bat. But um, I think one of the most persistent challenges we've talked about in Industrial Marketing Live is that leadership buy-in, overall team buy-in. So like you have not been with the company that you're at, Matt my customers, very long, 122 days. Can you tell us just a little bit more about how you were able to start on the right foot? Because I understand that that started even before they started paying you, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. So as much as I wanted to you know, have that next challenge, move back in-house, it wasn't something that I was actively pursuing. It was just kind of a thought that was stewing in the back of my mind. Um, so Matt Sniff, who is the founder here at Matt, my customers reached out to me and was like, Hey, um, I have some questions we've been trying this one marketing strategy and it just doesn't seem to be working. Can you like hop on a call with me for like 20 minutes and just help me troubleshoot, which if you guys ever need to do that, please DM me on LinkedIn more than happy to help. And I was like, yeah, of course. So we talked for 15 or 20 minutes. I gave him some other references of people in the B2B SaaS world since it's software and I was industrial. So he talked to them and it was like, okay, like come in, um, bring in some of these guys. And Matt Chanella, who was a former host here at IML was one of them. And he was like, well, if you really want to bring your marketing program to the next level, you should probably just go hire Mary. So that's when Matt reached back out to me and was like, Hey, Would you be willing to talk about maybe coming on full-time here? And I was like, very suspicious because I had a lot of um, issues being in-house with just like getting things done, wanting to do it my way. So I had a lot of questions for Matt right at the beginning. And it was a lot of what kind of support am I going to get? What kind of leadership buy-in is there going to be? So I had all of that right when I came in, because I wasn't going to hop from a company in a position that I loved to a brand new company just to like get hamstrung. So I had a lot of that buy-in right from the beginning. So I know that's not the answer probably everyone wants to hear, but I think it's so important if you're making this jump or you're making a switch in your marketing strategy. Like Leadership buy-in is so key because one of the things that I really appreciate about the leadership team here at Matt My Customers which I'm a part of too is that they kind of leave me alone and they help me when I need it.
0: So whenever you were going through those interviews like what did you do to kind of level set expectations like what did what did you give them kind of like a preview of what you were going to be focused on and um what they could expect from the first quarter of Mary tearing through uh, their company? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, one of the main things I did, um we sat in I sat in on like a strategy session for like 45 minutes with the whole leadership team. So talked with Matt the founder, talked with Ben the CEO, and then talked with a few other people on the leadership team. And I was like, okay, got their feedback, took a couple days, came back to them and we had like a 45-minute sit down of where I see the company going based on the goals. So the goal's for Matt my customers which is not true of every company remember this is growth. So they needed new customers. They needed new customer acquisition. So I was like, "Okay, that's great. Your website and your digital experience is not set up for this." Like that was like the kind of the hard truth is there was not a lot of ways for a new customer to like buy the actual product or get in touch with a salesperson to buy the product. So a lot of my focus was on positioning, messaging, targeting and then really like honing in that website conversion workflow.
0: Another question we've been getting from the chat and, and uh Luke also asked uh, this in our um, Slack channel if anyone here would like to be part of the industrial marketing life Slack channel just put it in the chat we'll get you added but um you know some folks have been asking um Luke, Katie, um you know Eddie too like you know did they have a marketing plan that you walked into that you had to adapt or did you really just kind of start from from scratch and if they had a
1: plan what changed yeah, amazing question. Yes, they had a plan, kind of. So they had a marketing head who had left in November of 2022. And then I came on in March of 2023. So they really had this giant gap in marketing for like six months where everything was just kind of on rerun. And The real plan was all top funnel focused. So blogs for high volume keywords, like not necessarily related to um, what we did or what we were doing, just like really high volume keywords around sales. Like if you put sales into SEMrush or Ahrefs and you just like filtered by highest volume, those were the keywords we were trying to rank for. Um, And then from there, there was some Google Ads there was a lot of gated content or a lot of gated CTAs. So ebook downloads, um, tour the product, but in order to tour the product, you had to input your name and email address. um, And then you would be put into a nurture sequence. So a lot of like getting people's emails to put them into a nurture sequence to hopefully one day ask them to book a demo with a salesperson or to purchase the product themselves. Um, So that was another big shift. So. While they had an outbound, cold outbound team focused on enterprise, part of the marketing um, initiative was what we call a prosumer, which is somebody who's just buying an individual license. But the outbound team was focused on enterprise teams. And so when I came in, I was like, well, do you guys want more individual users or do you want more enterprise teams? And they said, well, of course we want enterprise teams. And I said, So why is your marketing focused on individual users? So that was then a huge shift in the strategy because focusing on top of funnel and getting email subscribers is not really how you get enterprise customers. And it wasn't the workflow that they were hearing that enterprise customers liked to buy a product. They liked to research on their own, not have any contact with sales. So having anything with a gate on it was an instant turnoff. Um, they wanted to just consume as much content as possible about the product itself and then come to book a demo when they were ready. So that was the feedback they kept hearing over and over. So that was the strategy that we kind of shifted to.
0: Another question and yeah, Brendan, feel free to jump in here anywhere. Yeah, actually, but, uh,
2: I, I do have a question okay. here. So Mary, it seems like you have a very had a, a very untraditional, we'll say. Uh, interview experience right you know usually it's like oh yeah you know, i'm on indeed or maybe linkedin jobs and i find a position i like submit my resume fill out an application do the whole shebang right you had a very untraditional interviewing process you had a lot of you know power from the employee side so you can just talk about like where you know how, why were you able to approach the interview process in the way that you did uh, instead of going through a traditional like you know three step interview process and maybe an assignment so like what what would you attribute all that to?
1: Uh posting on LinkedIn 100%. So um it's just that it just sets you completely apart from any other candidate pool if you are posting valuable unique content on LinkedIn that someone can go see. I don't think I mean if anybody asks me if I have ever had like a recruiter reach out or something and they ask me for a resume, I would instantly delete that message. I was like if you don't understand the value that I'm going to bring or the history that I've had, because you haven't been reading my LinkedIn stuff, then I don't even want to talk to you. So that's just like, you know, Brendan, you put the words perfectly power of the employee. Like that's just giving you a whole nother level up in terms of like employee empowerment.
2: Right. And like, you know, you mentioned, you made this connection through Matt Chanel too. And I was like, well, that all came in, you know, and that was like kind of one of the reasons you and me got jobs here at Gorilla. Right. It's just like, interacting with folks on LinkedIn and, you know, building a network and being social and yeah, having those conversations with people and posting your thoughts is it's super powerful. So I'm, I'm, that was nice.
1: Yeah. Heck yeah. And like, it also just like, you know, speaking more to the power of the employee um, when you are in a position like that, it's also, you're coming from a position of strength, of course, if someone's recruiting you for a position. So to leverage that is really key so when you're talking in the to, about strategy or company leadership it's like if you guys aren't going to buy into this like I don't we don't have to keep talking you know what i mean so it's like it's not only are they buying into you as an employee they're going to buy into your strategy and how you're going to execute within the company
2: well and you'd built that trust over you know a year and a half two years of posting on linkedin right so they knew what they were getting right it wasn't yeah. you know they yeah, having having that background and letting them like read, like, here's how you think about marketing. Like there's no, there's no like um shadow or you know, covering of, of who, what Mary's gonna bring to the table. Like they knew exactly what they're getting when they hired Mary, right? Yeah, for sure.
0: So when you opened your laptop on day one, and this was a question too that Eddie had very specifically, you know, like where did you start digging in? What were your top three to five priorities? Where did, you, where did you start?
1: Yeah, this is awesome. This is like one of my favorite questions. I hear it all the time since I took on this new job. It's just like, where the heck do I even start? Um, so I started in two places. The first place is a quantitative audit of everything that's going on in marketing now. So because they were focused on blogs for high volume keywords and a lot of like gated stuff, Selfishly, that was very easy for me to then go into our CRM. We use HubSpot for our CRM. Very easy for me to go in and say, okay, here's everybody who's ever filled out a form. I can track them all the way through from lead to opportunity to customer. And guess what? It's not looking good. So you guys are investing not only a lot of time, effort, and resources here, but you're not getting anything out of it. And then at the same time, because we're making this switch to enterprise and everything is getting logged in the CRM. I can also go back and the enterprise motion, if you recall, was all cold outreach. So I could also come in and say, plus the other go-to-market motion. So we have our blog strategy as a go-to-market motion. We have the cold outbound strategy. Neither of these are working. So the conversion rate is anywhere from like 0.5 to 5%. So like if we're talking long-term growth, we need to see those numbers at like, 40, like 30, 40, 50% conversion rates. So that was the first place to start is like a qualitative audit and quantitative audit of everything that they're doing in marketing or sales right now. Just how are they reaching their goals? And then from there, it's okay. You know, I talked about this before. We already had talked about it before. I even signed on the dotted line, which is we need to make this big shift to enterprise customers. I want to start talking to all your enterprise customers. So, doing like big high level customer research on the enterprise side and listening to a lot of sales demos. So, for probably the first seven to 10 days, I was like either talking to customers directly or watching sales call recordings and just like taking super diligent notes. So, this isn't just like listening and then like you know, writing an email on the side or checking LinkedIn, this is me like in a dark room, like lights off, headphones in, like taking everything, pausing, like a 45 minute recording would take me like two hours to really get through because it's so important. So this is like the key I really want to hit on what I'm pulling out of these are a few key things. What is that person's job? So what do they do day to day? What are they responsible for? What was the catalyst? So why did they decide they needed something different? What was the shift in the company, in their world? There is some kind of catalyst for why they're searching for a solution like yours. So what's the catalyst? And then number three is what are the problems that our solution is solving? So those are the three big things that I was pulling out of those. And that's why it's so critical to take time to really answer those questions. And so I guess
3: like
0: how much time do you feel like in each recording, right? Took you two hours or so to get through it. But like, when did you decide like, okay, I've consumed enough. Data. My audit is complete. I feel good and confident to move forward with a new messaging, new positioning. Like, how, like, when did you start to feel like, okay, I've got what I need? Yep. Let's run.
1: Yeah. So it was about like ten um, ish calls slash interviews in because you start to find commonalities. So they start to say the same things. So even though they're very different customers, completely different companies, they're starting to give you the same problems, the same catalysts. So as soon as you start hearing that repetitive stuff, you're good. That's when you need to be like, okay, yes, this is where I need to like double, triple down in my website copy, my email copy, any content that I'm doing. This is it. This is my framework. So the catalyst, and the problem solved for the types of roles that you were interviewing or listening to recordings on.
0: And do you feel like, you know, most of your marketing career has been in industrial marketing. Like, do you feel like the playbook that you've been doing here and you've switched kind of over to SaaS, right? Um, Matt, my customers, they, they offer a CRM. So I know that's kind of familiar to you, but like, have you been able to, Draw on a lot of the experience? I'd venture to say yes, but yeah, curious yeah, to hear sure. what you've got to say about that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think most of it came directly from, I mean, everything I post on LinkedIn, even before I moved into SaaS, which is, you know, high focus on foundational marketing, customer research, all that good stuff, creating content for that specific customer group, distributing content, and then analyzing on the results. All of that is really the same in SaaS. The interesting changes in SaaS is because you're buying a subscription service, you also need to retain the customers that you acquire. So, I would say about 20% of my time, effort, whatever, is also spent on retention efforts. So, helping out. So, we have customer acquisition. I'm working with my sales team primarily. And then we have retention. Sometimes activation, we're doing a little bit of that now, um, is all customer success. So, the What I, I've seen in the industrial world, and you know, a lot of our customers come from the industrial world too, is that sales is also account management. So they're not only responsible for getting new customers in the door, but they're also um, responsible for maintaining customer relationships. That's completely different in SaaS. So in SaaS, you have sales is new customer acquisition, and then it gets ha- handed off to a completely different team, which is customer success.
0: So another question here for you, Mary. Just uh we're just we're just hitting you left and right here and the chat's been going. <laughs> I love it. I'm trying to like weave them all in, folks. So uh, you know, keep 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 the questions coming. Um but uh, you know, we're talking a little bit about getting started. And Emily Ting um asked a question too in our Slack channel. Um, you know, so obviously you dug in, you did your audit. Um You started to move forward when you saw the trends, but like, were there anything? Was there anything that was missing that you needed um, initially to make your job a little bit easier? Like whether that was tech, a process, metrics
1: that you needed um, insights on? Yeah, definitely. So um, mainly budget. So it was a lot of hey, what do you need from us? So I think I shared this with Beth Bauer actually in the IML Slack channel. Like when I was doing the budget. It was breaking down those processes. So um, if we go back to that really high-level marketing strategy, we have building the foundation, creating great content, distributing that content, and then analyzing and iterating on results. So the help that I needed the most was in those two middle stages, which is creating content and distributing content. So that's where most of my budget went is... Where do I need help in the content creation aspect? So we have a podcast company who handles most of that. So I do the hosting along with my head of sales, JT Rimby. We handle the recording and then it's literally, we just hand it off. We select some video clips and they take care of everything, like posting it, publishing it, putting it on YouTube. So that part has been amazing. So that was part of my budget. Need I definitely need help with this. And then as far as distribution, luckily coming from Gorilla76, which is demand gen for industrial, I had a lot of experience on the paid campaign side. So just knowing exactly how much budget I would need to reach my audience in paid social channels. So right now we're on LinkedIn and Facebook. We were on Google. We're not anymore. So I'm experimenting with a like basically zero paid demand capture strategy. So, stay tuned for how that works out for
3: me.
2: Mary, who are you using for the podcast?
3: Oh, I think I'm using Oh, it's a company called Podcast Fast Track.
2: Okay. Yeah. And then we the uh, use Resonate recordings for all of the Gorilla shows.
1: Yeah, the Resonate is awesome. They um my company already had a podcast going. This oh. is so funny, you guys. You guys are going to love this. So, um we already had a podcast. We were interviewing current customers on, you know, how they got into sales, what's their sales process like, how do they use Map My Customers? Like killer marketing material, right? So, during one of the strategy sessions before I came on, they said something like, "Oh yeah, and plus we're
4: thinking about getting rid of the podcast." And I was like, "You cannot." get rid of the podcast like that is like no there's no way you're getting rid of the podcast we can change it but that's one thing we're we're definitely keeping
5: speaking of
0: a uh, budget though and like so you said you, like that was a project you wanted to keep um you know jared asked right out the gate um did you come in with a set marketing budget to work with or did you have to develop that budget when you started um how did you start to look at developing your full budget and what did you want to keep sorry if you guys hear an airplane <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah I had to develop it all myself. so they I mean my CEO was basically just like, what do you need? like give me give me your budget. So the way that I attacked this was um interesting. so I was like in an ideal world, you know how would Mary spend her time like if Matt my customers wants to you know 10x growth in the next like six months, what would that budget look like? So, I had a super high end budget. Like, I need, I'm gonna need a content person. I'm gonna need a podcast agency. I'm gonna need, you know, X, I think it was like something like $25,000 for paid distribution. I'm gonna need like a full time somebody. So, that gives them like the high end, like, hey, if you, I really think we can reach these goals if you give me this amount of money. And then there was a middle and then a low tier. And I think we ended up going with the middle tier. Good strategy. Yeah. So
0: um, specifically, we have a question from Ashley about um, your social retargeting. Do you mind sharing like, what you're budgeting for retargeting there?
1: Yeah. So I do... Um, let's see. Two retargeting campaigns. And then I'm doing four kind of cold and then one warm-ish campaign, I guess you would say. So my retargeting I'm doing on LinkedIn and Facebook And that switches between product marketing. So like, here's what the product does. Here is the exact problem the product solves. And then case studies. So those are my two retargeting strategies right now on LinkedIn and Facebook. And then I have a cold campaign in one cold campaign in Facebook, usually a product campaign again. And then in LinkedIn, I have two other audiences that I'm using, but same campaign So right now we're only doing like kind of like middle-ish bottom funnel content. So a lot of case studies, a lot of product marketing, a lot of um, like value prop messaging. Um, You guys can go on LinkedIn and like check out my ads. Please tear them down. I would love it. Um, And the other audience we're doing, so it's cold to our ideal customer profile and then because we had this large email subscriber list, I kind of went through it. And you know, anybody who had actually activated something. So they took a tour or they expressed interest at some point. We're also like warm retargeting them using a list upload.
2: Yeah, all this chat's crazy today. Yes.
3: I <laughs> yes. love it. Yeah. I'm I kind of I okay. That
1: was a, that was my only regret on coming
4: to speak is like I knew I wouldn't be able to keep up with the chat. So <laughs> yes, please hit me. Um,
2: Ashley, if you wouldn't mind, would you like to unmute and come up? You had a you had a handful of questions here, um, so why don't you come on live and ask Mary uh, one or two or three of your questions?
5: <laughs> yeah, Mary, I told you I'd be here today. Hey, yeah,
4: I know. I'm so I'm so excited, Ashley.
5: Um this is it's so funny. I feel like I know you and I of course don't know you from Adam, but I have had very similar journeys as you. It, I ran at the in-house I was a part of an in-house agency for a while, then took over running kind of the management of the agency, moved in-house same company, but moved in-house marketing and then recently I was recruited to take over head of marketing for a B2B SaaS. I mean, is oh that's awesome. Are we the same person or what? I know it's
4: so totally.
5: And it's so great that you did it, you know, six months before me because I'm literally following your roadmap. Yes. Um like, as I like take screenshots of your LinkedIn and I save it and I go back to it. Um so a couple of questions. When it comes to when like when you first joined and started those conversations with the customers, how does how do I which my team, that was one thing when they recruited me, I was like, listen, if I'm going to leave my company, these are the things that I need from you. I need leadership buy-in. I need a seat at the table. I need to be a part of the process because I'm not going to spend my time marketing this and then find out that, you know, our contracts suck or our sales team can't close or whatever. So, you know, this needs to be a team. And then I kind of gave them, you know, if I was going to do this, this is what I would do in like six months. Right. And so, um, I um so they were already on the same page with like I have the leadership buy in so now I'm just like 10 days into it and I need to start those customer conversations but I awesome. don't you know so so we've got we've got customer we got a customer retention team and a sales team you know did you work with them to get in front of the customers how did you even initiate the conversations with the
1: customers yeah that's an awesome question yes i worked with my customer success team so um, going back to like how it works in B2B SaaS, sales gets them, customer success keeps them. So um, yeah, I worked with my customer success team and they like could not be nicer. I really hope you have a great customer success team. Usually they're fantastic. But they were like, of course, like what kinds of customers do you want to talk to? Do you want us to do an intro? Do you want you to do the intro yourself? So that part was actually really easy for me. It was um, going into our CRM. And just kind of hand-selecting the companies I wanted to talk to, knowing that most people probably wouldn't be able to talk to me. You know, people get busy and I needed, you know, responses pretty quickly. So I think I went to my customer success team with like maybe 40 or 50 contacts. And I think I ended up talking to like 15. And so
5: you just jumped on like a Zoom, you know, asked them for like a Zoom call or something and just met with them. How long um, were those interviews with them?
1: Yeah. So they ranged. I told people just to, you know, open up the door that this wouldn't take more than 15 to 20 minutes. So just making the barrier to entry really low. And, you know, knowing that you have to like really have your questions, like in case someone has to drop off, you have to know exactly what you want to get out of this conversation. So for us, VP of sales is like our gold star opportunity. Like if it's a VP of sales at an upper mid market company, it is like, like A plus, like go after it. So if it was somebody like that, and I knew I only had 15 to 20 minutes, I knew I wanted to know what problems does the product solve? Like, that's it. That would be my A number one question. And then number two would be stuff like, uh, what was the catalyst for buying us? What is your day-to-day job look like? And most of the time people would you know have to drop off after 15 or 20 minutes, but occasionally I'd have people stay for like 45. It was great. That's great. So then,
5: and then one of the biggest first projects that you did, I think if I'm remembering correctly is the website, total revamp um, product tours. Um, And then I can, I, I visited the website, looked through it. And then I'm of course in that market to be retargeted. So I'm getting your LinkedIn ads and your Facebook specifically. Um, So what, how long did you start LinkedIn and did you start social posting right away while you were working on that website, or did you take time to like just really dedicate to your first couple of priorities?
1: Oh my gosh, that's such a great question. So my priority number one was getting our main features pages in order. So I stole this um playbook directly from Colab Software, which MJ Smith, formerly MJ Peters, runs, like such great content, such a great website. I mean, I almost literally copy and pasted most of her stuff. So it was, what are our top three to five features or solutions? So how do people describe what we do? Um, Then taking out use cases from there. So kind of like almost anonymizing here. I'm going to pull up my website actually and just like give you guys an example. So one of the things that really differentiates Map my Customers is that we're a CRM with a mapping tool inside it because it's specific to outside and field sales teams. So one of the things that we hear over and over and over and over and over again is that outside sales teams spend way too much time planning and doing admin work. So I wanted to do the first, very first value prop on our um, mapping and routing pages. You know, Plan and route your day in seconds. Typical day of an outside sales rep starts in a spreadsheet. From there, they have to open up a map on their phone, their calendar, then their notebook. It's a it's a nightmare. This is what I'm reading the copy right now. With Met my customers, outside reps can plan and route their day in seconds. So there's your value prop. So I wanted to get those features pages in like tip-top order first. And those are the pages that I ran my ads to.
5: And then, okay, one final question, and then somebody else can take over. Um, so, the ad, so that's where I'm at now. I'm doing the website. We're doing, I mean, similar, you know, breaking down the, the features of the software. And then my ads will retarget. We've got um, some partners in the industry who already we're already utilizing to blast. And so I can sell, like, every time this partner, blasts, does a blast on us, you know, the website visits skyrocket, LinkedIn followers skyrocket. Nice. We want to ride on those coattails, right. And retarget after one of his blasts. Heck yeah. Um, What type of budget would you put on simply? So my niche is pretty small. It's executive non-mortgage lenders. And then, and so with that being said, small niche, pretty defined audience and website retarget, what would you put a budget on that initially, like just an arbitrary number.
1: Yeah. So it depends. I know. I hate that. I hate that. that It depends. It does depend on how big the audience is. So I'll give you like a range so you can take your audience size and then I'll just give you like a range in between. So if you are doing retargeting to people who already know you and it's like less than 10,000, maybe even 20,000, I think you can get away with like 20 or 30 bucks a day on LinkedIn if it's in like the fifty to a hundred thousand dollar range and you're cold targeting on LinkedIn, you're gonna need like a hundred bucks a day. Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah, I think we're really luckily we're really in that I mean building of a brand awareness, but we've got such a I mean, it really is such a small niche that you know our, our dollars go a little further. Um, but I yeah. want to make sure that we are pushing them back to the right place. So then, you know, getting them to sign up for those product demos, our software is very expensive, but it saves tons and tons of money. Um, so yeah, retargeting them back to the features pages and kind of get those demos set, but we needed a number to start with because I'm just not even sure, but that's great. That's very helpful. Thank you
1: so much. Oh, heck yeah. Ashley, do you like DM me on LinkedIn anytime too, if you have follow-ups? I will be careful what you say. <laughs>
0: Okay. We had a great question from, uh, Kara Rowan. Kara, if you don't mind coming, um, off mute, you were asking about the, and I know this is probably way back up in the chat. So I'll
3: remind you. <laughs> um, I know. it's like, uh, yeah, do, what I did don't I remember ask my that? question. We, uh, we were talking about beer and cheese over here. Yeah, too. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, yeah, the important things. Um, yeah. You, you were no, asking about so, the sales
0: team viewpoints.
3: Yeah, so, you know, we've got our sales t- I'm an integrated marketing strategist. Um, we've got our what we call marketers, but really they're product owners. And then we've also got our sales team and it seems like the sales team and the actual marketers or product owners aren't seeing eye to eye on like what they think is the go-to-market strategy, you know, what our goals and everything should be. You know, the marketers are saying, "No, no, no, this is how it is." But then we talk to the sales team, and they're like, our, our customers literally don't give a crap about anything that you just said. So, how how do we? I mean, I'm, I'm leaning towards the sales people here, but how do we marry that together without pissing people off?
4: Yeah. So, this is like a really good one. I, I don't remember who I stole this from
1: on LinkedIn, but it's like an idea I extrapolated from it is like, who owns a number? Sales probably has a quota, right? So, they have to hit this. So, the messaging, like the way that your business operates, sales is going to be very bought in because their commission, their literal salary depends on it. If the product manager, I came from a big industrial company. We had product owners too. They're not held to anything. They're held to like brochures and
3: like making sure that... So ours are mess. like, they're attached to the PL. and l So oh, nice. know, the sales, yeah, the sales do affect them, but then they just don't agree. Yeah. So okay, what is the what what do your product owners own? So I mean, they own, you know, pricing, um, uh, you know, anything to, uh, like NPIs, any new product um, you know, uh going to market. Um cool. I'm I'm do they, like, yeah,
1: do they own so when a new product goes to market, do they own any part of that process? Like Once it gets in front of the customer, so do they own customer acquisition? Do they own a pipeline goal? Do they own a revenue? Yes. yes. Okay. Nice.
3: Yes. Yeah. So they really own everything about that product, you know, from the inception, from thinking about, you know, do we need a product? You know, getting through the development. You know, working with our lab teams, etc., and then pushing that out to market. Nice. That's awesome.
1: Um, So when they're pushing it up market and they're like actually like bringing it into the market. Um, are they doing like customer use cases? Has like a customer had their hands on it?
3: Yeah. So they're doing some of that. Like right now we've got a, a product that is not, I mean, it's launched, but you know, not really launched yet after five years. And it's still, you know, in the, in the concept phase with a couple of different people. And it seems like, you know, some of the big programs I'm working right now is, you know, everything's so held tightly close, you know, we don't talk about it much. You know, we have these, um, programs that are going on for use case scenarios. And then once it's, you know, green light is a go, then it's like, all right, go. And then they loop me in and then they're like, Hey, we need a brochure. We need this. I'm like, well, okay, help, you know, um, totally. Yeah. So then on the flip side, then we have, you know, our legacy products who, you know, that we're trying to, we don't have any strategy whatsoever for them. So we're getting that up to date, helping out our channel partners. And then now that's when, you know, sales is like, no, we don't want that. But the product owner is like, nope, we, this is, this is the strategy that we're taking. But then sales is like, no, that doesn't make any sense. So there, it's like they're not talking.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I love it. All right. So I think what you need to do maybe not you, but you need to like get your product owners to do is like actually write down what does it look like to bring a product to market after it's finished? Okay. So create a brochure. What do we do with that? Does it go online? Does it go to print? Who gets it? Okay. Email campaign. Who gets that email? Is it like a targeted customer list? Is it a new customer list? I would force them to write it down. And then what that gives you um, great, really great insight is okay, what are the metrics associated with that? How do we know that this strategy is successful? So we have our brochure. So like, what are we measuring here? Like, are we measuring views? Are we measuring how many people reference the brochure when they come to buy the product? So that kind of helps you decide, not only does it force your product owners to kind of like, you know, hey, help sales out a little bit. Like let them know what the actual frigging strategy is. Like tell them what the tactics are. And then what you get to do is be that owner who's like, and plus we're going to measure each of these steps in that process.
3: Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. And then I can kind of, you know, there, this hasn't happened in a while, thank God. But you know, when we come to marketing planning for the year, they're like, I want a blog. Why? <laughs> okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, we, we've we got a lot. Of, I mean, I feel like that comes up all the time, which is like, when should you say Yes. Yeah. When do you say no? And I think what Mary's saying here is just like if you have ways to measure the success of it, then you can at least have something to back you up besides just feeling like you're always raining on their parade. Yep. Um but I was prepared, I was surprised in our prep call um, you know, that Mary and Brendan were more on the in the camp of saying yes. I'm always like a, no, I'm too busy. I don't want to do more stuff. But uh, <laughs>
4: <laughs> I say awesome. I say yes to so budget, Mary. Yeah, of course, Kara. Just DM me on LinkedIn anytime too.
0: So we've had some questions. I know we're getting close to the end of time. Um, Folks are already asking for the recording on this. And yeah, we do post these um, on the Manufacturing Marketer, which is our podcast podcast. Um, so it should be up about next week. Um, it'll also be on the Gorilla YouTube channel um, in full. So you can watch it there. But I think to kind of round, round out that episode... Too, like
2: for, for everyone else out here, we've ca- we've captured all the questions. And so we're going to have Mary on uh, the Manufacturing Marketer next week. Uh, and I'm just going to run through and we'll try to do another lightning round. Even though our lightning rounds were never successful. We'll we'll try it again, Mary. Um, but we'll get you back on the podcast and get a lot of these questions answered and, and continue the conversation there. So... Be on the lookout for the next two episodes of the Manufacturing Marketer featuring Mary Keo.
1: Nice. yeah, for sure. I will. So I know there was a lot of retargeting questions. I'll just like rapid fire really quick on retargeting because I know it's like a big issue. Plus, it's like a super cheap way to get onto paid social. Like if you need to prove success of paid social, retargeting is a really easy way to do it. Yes, I have pixels. So I have the LinkedIn pixel and the Facebook pixel, Meta pixel, whatever on our website. Um, I retarget through there. And then a list upload in LinkedIn. Facebook is getting really strict about the list upload. So I usually don't do a list upload on Facebook. Um, and then as far as dates, I usually do 180 days. So I'll do 180 day retargeting on both LinkedIn and Facebook.
0: To end our episode, I guess, um, I think it would be really interesting just to hear if there was any like specific surprises or things that now you're looking back one hundred and twenty two days you're like, oh man, I wish I would have um any lessons you learned like that that we can all take forward? Uh, would love to hear it.
1: yeah, that's a really good one. um mostly like I wish I would have had the hard conversations sooner because I'm still starting to have them um, and if I would have just attacked it sooner, it would have been done and you know it could have could have been resolved. so I'll give you some examples um, let's see, like, Oh, our CEO wanted to do like a, an event strategy. So he was like, okay, but what about like inviting top accounts to steak dinners? Or what about doing like an ABM thing? And we invite them here. And I was like, okay, yeah, let me think about it. Let me do some research. And like, of course, in the back of my mind, I already knew like, probably not like, I'm a one person marketing team. You gave me the middle tier budget. I told you what I was going to do. And I told you what I was going to be measured on. Um, once we get that going and I can show you consistent results, of course, we're going to do an event strategy. But at the time, I was like, oh, yeah, let me think about it. So um had to have the hard conversation later. And then it's like, okay, now the CEO has his hopes up. He's kind of already like got a customer list going. So definitely have the hard conversations early. Even if I would have just said something like, let me think about it, but I'm thinking probably not this year.
4: Yeah, not to mention expensive is right.
2: Yeah. The strategy with uh with the kids too, right? Like, oh maybe maybe next week or
1: yes,
0: totally. <laughs> so they, they never forget, right? Yeah. They keep coming D- back.
4: Discipline early. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, this has been such a great um time this morning. Thank you so much, Mary, for coming in. Um, just to kind of round out our episode today, I do want to just remind everyone um You know, If you are enjoying this conversation, we meet every two weeks um, here twice a month, and we have lots of fun conversations planned for the rest of the year. Um, If you would like to talk more often than that, we do have a Slack community, and I saw we've got some um, folks to invite to that. If you haven't already gotten your invite, we'll get to you, but just let us know in the chat here while I'm closing us up, and we'll make sure you get invited. Um, our next IML, typically we're two weeks apart, but because of the holiday, we are squishing them in right here in the middle of the month. So um, we're going to be talking with uh, Patrick Cron- Cronin, um, a performance marketer here at Gorilla 76, about Google Analytics 4. Um, you know, Has anyone else been bombarded with reminders for countdowns about its arrival? I mean, they, we all knew it was coming, right? We've all updated, but we were still getting all those emails. It was so fun, right? Um, well, July is here. And uh, that means Google Analytics 4 is here. So we're going to have Patrick come on to talk about how you can leverage all the new um, features in this free tool to gain insight about your website visitors. So um, yeah, very, very... (laughs) Sorry, Patrick Cronin. (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, if, uh, if you guys are interested in that, we'll see you next week. And otherwise, we'll just see you in Slack, see you on LinkedIn. Thanks so much for coming. Great time. Thank you, Mary. Everyone. Thanks, Mary. Yeah, give Mary a follow on LinkedIn if you don't already. Uh, It's lots of fun. (laughs) We'll see you later.